You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, lovely. In case you missed the news, I announced on December 1st that after 12 and a half years, I am sadly and rather suddenly closing my business, closing Dean Street Society. And you can read more about that in the emails that I've sent. I really had a heart in sharing this news that I haven't want anyone to feel feel confused or left out or like they missed something. I just feel like there's so much noise um, if we're trying to catch things on Instagram and podcast and email and it's a busy time of year and we all have a lot of things going on. And yet also this can feel, oh my gosh, I just saw snow flurries past my window. For the first time, it has not yet snowed in New York. Um, I knew that for some, it also would feel shocking, upsetting, sad, confusing, whether that's because of our personal relationship, whether that's because you are an an entrepreneur um, and wondering what this means for you, whether because it's disorienting that we don't really see people who are coaching and courses relational face of their brand, people announce that they are closing their business. So I wanted, I was clear from the start that I wanted everything to be an email so that there wasn't that sense that a story expired within 24 hours and you missed it and whatnot. So uh, I'm uploading all of those emails. You can go to deanstreetsociety.com slash closing. First off, I should say I'm doing a pay the value sale. Um, I think I'm assuming that those of you listening to this episode have already seen the Instagram announcement, have already gotten the emails, but just in case you haven't, I am closing with a pay the value sale. All of my signature products and programs are there for you to determine what the value is in your life. If it was out of your price range before, now is your last and final opportunity to get it. Those will be living Uh, well into 2024 for you to continue to access and they are a beautiful thing for you to gift to someone else if you have done one of the programs and you have loved it this is the time to go and tell all of your friends this is disappearing but it really blessed my life go ahead and get it And then at the bottom of that page, you can opt in. And when you do, we are also posting there all of the emails that have already been sent. So if you are late to joining the email party, you also are not confused. You can read right there on the page everything that has been said so far and feel that you are in the loop. Um, I will link that in the description of the episode and also the announcement reels that uh, I posted on Instagram. I couldn't say all the things that I needed to say um, in 90 seconds. I tried. I spent an exorbitant amount of time that Friday recording and re-recording reels and trying to use a teleprompter so that it was scripted so that I could get everything into 90 seconds. But my project manager, the only team member that um, I... I have left. I had to let everyone else go with the news. Um, and Jeremy, the only other person I have to run things by, we just felt like this is more confusing. You're, there's a reason you wrote such a long email and you can't power speed through that in 90 seconds. So if people are interested, then they can go read the email. If they're not that interested, they're going to scroll by either way. But it actually does the people who really care a disservice to 
say half of it, leave them more confused, have to reply in comments. No, please do go read the email. That's where it answers your question. Um, and I was just talking so fast. It just, so finally I was like, I just need to be so brief and be like, everything is on the website and the email. And, um, so anyways, um, the, the, that link is on Instagram and, um, I will be back, meaning I will be back in your email inbox and on Instagram um, briefly in January. I am going to be researching in the coming weeks, trying to find a small place where we can continue in relationship. And I've been talking in email and on Instagram about the meaning of these relationships, you and I, and the fact that it isn't even just you and I, there are thousands of other women that are here that also want to talk about the same things, live life in the same way, are connected, and how real those relationships are. So there's there's three comments that I pinned under the that announcement reels that's linked in the bio that were FAQs that I had just sort of written along uh, reply to one of those comments. One of those refers to wanting to stay in relationship. And then also if you go to my pinned stories, it's called closing. I have added some of the things that I have shared over there. Um, and I expanded on that more, but it's something that I want to stay in relationship to stay friends. And I'm even doing today's episode because it's clearly something that you want. You know, I really did think last week's episode was the last episode. When you go back and listen to it in hindsight, you can sort of see. She knew she was announcing this in two days. This is what she wanted to send us off into for 2024. This is the energy she wanted us to know that she was carrying into 2024. So my plan was just to come on and sort of like the reels, do a very brief three-minute podcast just for anyone who might have slipped through the cracks and didn't get the email, didn't see the Instagram so that everyone was brought into the loop. But I started to feel like we needed a hang here. <laughs> we needed to chat, you and I, to help us process because parasocial relationships are real. And so many of you have commented, I'm so grieved and no one in my life understands no one in my life gets, why are you so upset that someone you follow on the internet is not going to be on the internet anymore? Like, I, I don't get that. Um, one of you commented under the reels, you said, I started following you because my sister was, was obsessed with you. She had taken your courses, et cetera. And I had just read, I was reading your email when my sister called and I picked up the phone and I said, is this about Hillary Rushford? And I, I, I need to reply back to you because what really stood out to me there was a lot of you I haven't been re replying to because it's like I'm just I'm just kind of slowly processing everything that you're saying and I'm just not replying quickly with two thumbs. I'm like, I would rather take my time. But what I thought there was, what a gift for your sister that she has you, that she had someone who knew that she would want to call someone and say, I feel shaken because I'm always saying to Jeremy, you know, my Instagram friend, so-and-so my, you know, this, you know, that woman whose podcast I listen to because he doesn't know 
the the characters, the relationships that exist in my apps, that exist in Instagram, that exist on podcasts. There is a world that I live in that is deeply meaningful to me and it's a big part of my life and it's very real. And no one in my life really has much of an insight into that. For me as an entrepreneur, I have fellow entrepreneur friends that do. So my project manager being so deeply involved in this world, she and I are like, oh, you know that episode of so-and-so's podcast? It's like, we speak the same language. But it's in the same way that your work friends don't know your dance mom friends. And yet everyone has work friends, hobby friends, like neighborhood friends, but not everyone has parasocial friends. My sister doesn't. I don't believe my sister listens to any podcasts and she doesn't do any online courses and she doesn't follow anyone on Instagram that isn't her real life friend. And she just isn't she just isn't in this world. She really doesn't understand what I do for work. And if I was in your shoes and I was grieved, unlike that blessed sister relationship in my comments, she would not get it. She'd be like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But she wouldn't viscerally get it. My husband doesn't. He doesn't have, I mean, I guess he he has YouTube shows. That's where he follows content creators that he really loves. He subscribes to their Patreon. He supports them. Um, But I still don't think, I think he would miss them as in like, oh, I enjoyed that content, but it's not a relationship. He doesn't feel connected to them. They're just like funny sports guys that he likes to follow. I don't think he'd be grieved. He'd be bummed. But if Glennon Doyle disappeared tomorrow and was just like, hey, I'm out. No, no mention of if I'm ever writing books again or ever sharing any of my words of wisdom, I would think about her often over the years and wonder if she was coming back, wonder if there was going to be a new book, wonder how she's doing with her eating disorder, wonder how, I mean, that she's of value to me. And I've done that with people who have disappeared. Um, unfortunately, the in my case, that there were a couple people that disappeared sort of in the cancellation of 2020. Um, some not even because of things I viewed problematic at all whatsoever, but just because of crazy chaos backlash in the early, you know, intense COVID days. And some people, I think, just deciding to go offline. And then I just wonder, did they like it better? Like, did is that why they didn't come back? Is it better on the other side? It's like, it's like there's a bubble, like it's the Truman Show or something. And I know there's people who got out and I, I wish they would send news back. <laughs> and so I'm Googling them on occasion, wondering if they will, you know, pop up or something. And it causes, it causes pain. It, it, it leaves an open energy leak. And I want to cause connection and it's really clear to me in the last few days, more so than I expected uh, announcing on Friday, that we all want that, that so many of us want that. And so I am working on leaving Dean Street Society without leaving you. 
And I don't know what that looks like yet, but I will take some space over the holidays and uh, in the new year in the midst of all the moving and the craziness to figure that out. But I will be leaving Instagram. I'm not deleting my profile. Like that is still going to exist. I'm just deleting the app myself on my iPhone so that I am also not there as a user. And that's something I can share more about in January because um, it's a it's a big old conversation. But one of the questions has been, is the podcast continuing? This is the final episode of the You're Welcome podcast. And to be really honest, it has been so sweet the last five days to hear the feedback. I have felt a bit like I've been talking into a vacuum for a while. There's very, very few reviews on the podcast, probably in the last six months, year, I don't know. Um, now, probably those of you who really love it all left one back in the day, or you hear this every week and just like you are commenting on my Instagram announcement that you're someone who never comments, you have a story in your head that you're someone who never leaves podcast reviews. So you hear me say, hey, it would mean so much for, for if you would do that. And you just never you know, get around to doing it or you just think that is a message for someone else or you're just not that kind of person. Um, and there's just been less shares on stories, I felt like. Um, of the podcast, people saying, oh my gosh, this episode really blessed me. And again, probably many of you did that. And then maybe you felt like, oh my gosh, I've, re I've recommended the You're Welcome podcast so much over the years. I, like, I got to stop because my friends who know I'm obsessed with it know I'm obsessed with it. And I don't have that many followers. Like they're either, you know, following by now or not. But there's no real feedback loop here. And so I don't know what the options are, but as I look into things after closing for us, I would love to find some place with more ability to dialogue back and forth as we stay in touch because I feel like I have so much more of a sense that you are here in the last five days since announcing than I've felt all year. And as I said, so many are saying I never comment and I finally am. And I am not making you, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad because I'm not going to be on Instagram every day, you know, for you to be commenting on me over there, but really to tell you for the future, I wish you would have, because it hasn't really felt like much of anyone was listening. And it turns out so, so many of you were. And so if we do stay friends in 2024, whatever that looks like, know that your presence matters. And if you are silent, if you are someone who doesn't comment, who doesn't leave reviews, who doesn't, you know, share with, with in a way that lots of other people can see it, which is not sending a private message, but, you know, contributing to the collective, then your presence isn't felt. And I'm not saying that with shame or pressure, but knowing that you matter here, and if you stay hiding, which is what you're doing when you're someone who, quote, never, never comments and is always a lurker, we don't know you're here. And the whole vibe of the party goes down when there's 50 people 
in the middle of the huge, you know, dance party that are actually going for it. But we've got a massive room here and there's 3000 people in the shadows. Like what a pathetic dance party it feels like because those 3000 were like, oh, I love watching the Taylor Swift dance party, but I'm not a dancer. And you're like, girl, the lights are low. Everyone in the room is the same vibe. Think of the energy. If all 3,000 of you in the shadows just joined the 50 who were in the center, who were, who were leaning into it. So this is my Sheryl Sandberg version of lean in is ask yourself, what's the story you have that you're not a commenter? or you're not someone who leaves positive reviews, or you're not someone who shares publicly on social media about the things that you are finding value in, the books that you are loving, et cetera, the courses that you're loving, and why? Because it just means that the relationship is more one-sided. It's like when you're talking to someone, occasionally my husband will do this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to you, and you are giving me nothing back, honey. You're not nodding. You're not going, hmm. And I literally cannot tell if there's any purpose in the air that is coming out of my mouth. Like, am I boring you? Are you even listening? You're not giving me any feedback. We're To be a good listener, which is what it takes to have a relationship and not just have someone off monologuing to themselves, is, is to have that active listening on the back end. And since I can't see your face, the version of you nodding along and going, oh, that's good. And, huh, good point. You have to use your beautifully manicured or totally crap manicured, and zero manicure in my opinion, um, in need of some help with hangnail, You've got your 10 little fingers in order to give that energy back the other way. The only thing I have for you from you is an Instagram comment, a podcast review. And like I said, hopefully I can find a new platform where it's, you know, some sort of comment over there. And especially when they are public, because I can't have 2000 DM conversations. No one can. But in hundreds of comments under that announcement post, you can all feel the energy. You know that your feelings are valid. Your questions make sense. You aren't the only one that was confused about that. And that's what makes this an us and not the Hillary show. It's not just about showing gratitude, though that is part of it, because why am I going to go forth and do this if it doesn't matter to anyone? So you have to let people know that they matter to you in order for them to to keep showing up. But in addition, it's even so much more about how it makes Hillary feel. It's saying, if this is what I want to be, the content I want to be of value in the world, if I don't want another ridiculous reality show, if I don't want more people who are polarizing and full of hate, if I don't want 29 affiliate links telling me what I got to buy, if I don't, if, if this is the kind of meaningful content I want more of, then this is how I bring that forth in culture. I lean into this energy. I leave the reviews. I make the comments. I spread and share the word about this kind of content because I want more of it in the world. I want, you know, Glennon Doyle to write another book and I want, you know, Hillary Rushford to keep, speaking and teaching and 
letting me know where I can find that. So anyhow, once I decided we needed to do one more episode yesterday, I I just really started reflecting on how back in 2019 when I started this podcast, I just felt so much pressure to do it right and do it well. I I knew that I was coming late to the game. Um, I definitely had a sense of, am I, am I too late? Have I missed the moment? If only I had done this years ago, it would have been so much easier to grow. And so I really want to come in strong. And so I went to a recording studio in Brooklyn. And now so many people do this from their homes. Although I will also say you'll notice on Instagram now so many people have aesthetically beautiful spaces that they are filming in. And I don't know if those are rooms of their home that they have built out. Um, I know when I was on Andrew East's podcast years ago, Sean Johnson's husband, like they have a whole podcasting room in their house because they are blessed to have a very large house to do that. Um, so now people are, are, are filming in these beautiful spaces. But aside from visually what you need to show on Instagram, people are just recording from their homes. And I just felt so intimidated by the tech of that and just not knowing how to do the audio well and Brooklyn apartments are loud. Our street was loud. There was constantly sirens going by because um, the, the hospital was up the road. Things that like I don't even notice as a New Yorker, but once you go to record, you're like, oh my gosh, it is so loud in here. The pipes were clanking because there was like, that was the heating unit. So I went to a professional studio where they do audiobooks and those sorts of things. And yet, Oh my gosh, it was so overwhelming the first few times that the audio tech, we just, we didn't speak the same language. Like he was asking me questions that I didn't know how to answer and he was getting frustrated and short with me and I was stepping out, like calling my business partner at the time, like trying not to cry and just feeling like it is are people like me normally coming in here with a, a book producer, someone from their publisher who knows how to do audiobooks that kind of mediates this process? Like, is that why this is so hard? I just, I, I don't know. Um, but it just was, it just felt intense. You know, and I was spending a lot of money on the studio every time. And it's like every time you'd mess up, there's, you know, Chad in the other room with his headphones on. And um, it just it just felt so different than it has now. I would write each word of the episode. It would take me so many hours and we would stop and we would do pickups. I mean, it was more like doing an audiobook at the time. And I just realized after a while, this is just not sustainable. The amount of hours that this is taking and the cost of this. And yet from the start, it allowed me to share more. You know, in the one of the very first episodes, I talked about struggling with suicidal ideation um, a handful of years prior. And in 2019, that just would have been too intense for Instagram at the time. We weren't really being that honest. You know, I'd done IVF in 2018, 2019. People weren't really sharing about that. People weren't really, a few were, but it was, 
it definitely felt like it would have been this incredibly vulnerable thing to talk about doing it live. I mean, meaning while you're going through it, not like live streaming it, but to talk about it in the moment and then have to inform people that we got zero embryos. I mean, it just felt like such a private thing. The energy on Instagram was just different at that time. And right away in the the early comments and reviews, I realized that if you hadn't taken my courses over the years, you did not know me at all. And there were these comments that were like, wow, she's like just not your normal influencer. She's really smart. It's like we were used to following this archetype of style blogger who is giving style links to to go buy things and that's how they make their money they do an extensive amount of shopping they try on all the things they find the best things and then they're like hey I'm gonna spend 50 bucks on this and get enough of you guys to buy it that I make 300 dollars so not only are my clothes free but this is also like how I'm you know feeding my family that was never me that was never my my business model I always was a teacher I started out as a one-on-one coach called a personal stylist and I wasn't going and pulling clothing for women I was teaching women in their homes here in Brooklyn and New York and Jersey how to identify their style how to repurpose things in their closet like it was purposeful it was meaningful people would be like this was the best two hours I can't even believe this people would be emotional so I was having these experiences in my, my one-on-one clients with my students. So I knew that the work that I was doing was deep and meaningful and valuable, but I didn't realize that anyone who hadn't actually taken my courses was just experiencing me dancing around and doing cute, fun little videos over on Instagram and that there wasn't the depth there. We didn't have stories. We didn't have long videos. We didn't have live streaming, like this was pre-Periscope. So there wasn't really a lot of depth to share. And I didn't, it's like reading those replies. I was like, oh, you haven't known me at all. Like I, yeah, I've been talking about these deeper things. You just were like only taking in the icing. And I didn't realize how many of you were missing the cake. And I felt like I got to be more fully me and share what I had to offer more fully because I could, I had 30 or 60 or 90 minutes of your attention, which is what's required to actually talk about something deep and meaningful that's going to lead to change. And I mean, I will be honest, I don't really know (laughs) why anyone follows me who in over 12 and a half years has not done my courses. And I don't say that from like a a salesy perspective, but I feel like maybe some people really don't understand the most painstakingly researched, detail-oriented production, thoughtfully curated over weeks and months and years, lived out on tens and hundreds and thousands of students and iterated over, like, if you like the appetizer, why have you never enjoyed the main course? 
And I've realized that in a lot of your comments, you've said like, oh, I've never done your courses, but gosh, I've loved following you on Instagram. And um, it's not that I'm uh, offended. I'm just genuinely like, that's so interesting that if you really so valued what I was teaching, is it that you don't understand that the, that I spent a year of my life and over a decade working on what makes women feel beautiful? And that when I do one podcast episode on a topic, I've been working on that for the week. And why would you miss out on something that's been my life's work over there? If in the one week thing, you're like, this was pretty insightful. Then why would you not be like, there's got to be a hundred times more insight over there And if my soul is being like, yes, I'm wanting this personal growth, this healing, this self-awareness, this peace, then like take advantage of the delicious filet mignon or whatever it is if you're a vegetarian that is over there to, to nourish yourself in that way. But I feel like the You're Welcome podcast got me so much closer to my true teaching than Instagram ever was. I am so much more my true self here. And that does not mean that I am false in any way on Instagram. I'm just not a seven second person. And if you are not a content creator, or even if you are, I had a conversation the other night with someone who has over 100,000 followers on Instagram and their mind was blown when I was explaining to them that the predominant way to grow on Instagram these days is short trending audios. They are five to seven second videos. They are very short. They're either so short that you got to watch it three times to read all of the content and that triples the views or they are so short and you are putting the teaching in the, the comments. And she was like, oh my gosh, I hate those kind of videos. And I was like, yeah, yes. Yeah, me too. She was like, the people I follow don't do those kind of videos. And I was like, yeah, I know me either. Because I follow people that have depth, but sadly, the Instagram game is is the opposite. The, TikTok was about shorter attention spans and whatever anybody else does, Instagram tries to copy and cannibalize it and is usually very successful in it. And so that's just where that m- mode and medium is going. And I'm just an old fashioned girl. <laughs> take Take me back four or five years to the good old days. And I'm just not, there's just not content in five to seven seconds that I'm interested in. And so even the style bloggers traditionally that I follow by and large that do that kind of content, they're like, you know, jumping around, changing outfits every five, every second. I just think, oh my gosh, that reels took so long to put together. That's all you did today. You just changed clothes into 12 different outfits for the holidays and just kept jumping up and down. Like, I'm just not, it's not my vibe. I'm not like, oh my gosh, how creative. No offense. That's just not my thing. I am a let's go deep and really talk about it person. (laughs) You know, I, I am a let's, let's sit over a long brunch, a long lunch, a long dinner, 
come over and hang out on my couch. Like that's always how I've been. That was why I named my business Dean Street Society was this idea of come over into my house. I lived on Dean Street. We were in the center of all of our friends. We had a a basement, like we had a duplex apartment that like, I guess underneath apartments is like storage. But for some reason, this one unit, they had built it into the apartment. So we had this big sunken living room, which is was so much space for New York standards. And we were kind of in the center walking distance of our friends. And so we had all of these people over. It's like the, the one huge Thanksgiving. Well, I've done two big Thanksgivings, but oh my gosh, this one was huge. I had probably like 35 people at my house for Thanksgiving, which is massive in New York City. And that was my home on Dean, Dean Street. So it was this sense of like, come over, welcome to my house, or feel just as comfortable welcoming me into your house as a stylist, where we're going to go walk in your closet. You're going to change clothes in front of me. You're going to tell me things about your insecurities, about your body that you're not even talking to your best friends about. So there's got to be a sense of like, kick off your shoes. Let's have a cup of tea. We're going to be here for a while. Like, I'm just not, you know, I'm not an express car wash. Like, I'm just a let's take things slower person. And I also have realized that I like things that I can can consume, that I can grow, that can bless my life, that I can be thinking about, that I can be enjoying, laughing about while I'm walking, while I'm on the treadmill at the gym, while I'm cleaning the house. Like I realize that on Instagram often, I don't know if you do this, at night I'm getting ready for bed and I know I'm going to like wash my face. I'm going to take out my contacts. So I, I can't have my hands free because I'm washing my face and doing all my serum products and I can't visually see because I'm taking out my contacts and switching to my glasses. And I sometimes am scrolling on stories just to find someone who's doing a, 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 I call it HTC, Hillary to camera, like a talking head story where I can listen to them. If they're only putting text on the screen, I can't, I can't be getting ready for bed and reading the text. I can't be doing anything else. My whole life is in that phone while I am having to either visually watch this story that's unfolding in the reels or read the text. And that's why I love audio so much. And specifically as I think about heading into motherhood and being around a baby, I don't want my child to see me looking at my phone all the time because as soon as they are old enough, they're going to be like, why can't I look at a screen all the time? And, and you know, then we're into like, well, let's not do screen time. And it's like, well, w- what a hypocrite my parents are. They're looking at a screen all of the time. I realize that I don't always feel happier after I have stared at my screen on Instagram, but I am always happier after I listen to a podcast or an audiobook. I am I'm not sucked into the vortex because I'm moving as I'm doing it or I'm laying in a bath or, you know, lately I've been having stomach issues. Like I'm lying on my bed with my eyes closed, nauseous, but like this is keeping me company. It's part of my life. I'm not pausing my life. When I'm just looking at the screen, I all the time can be like, oh my gosh, where did 30 minutes just go? Like, how did that time just fly I was almost catatonic in my screen, but I'm so, I love that I have gotten to do a podcast because that is the type of content that I love because I do it while I'm moving throughout my life and I consume so many more podcasts and get so much more value from podcasts, especially with 
the the way the culture has been shifting over on um, Instagram. You know, it's why I voice message all the time with my real life friends versus texts. I was laughing that I have so many unreplied texts since I announced on Friday. And I, I mean, I'm so grateful that friends have reached out, et cetera. But the friends who left voice messages, all of those I've listened to. And some of those I have replied to. But like hearing their voice I just wanted to be like, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your wisdom. I will sit here for 10 minutes and listen to what you have to say. And the one who just texted a few sentences, I like glance at it, mark it unread to come back later. But like the richness is in hearing their voice. And I haven't replied to all of the texts, but I had a three and a half hour conversation on Tuesday night with a friend who called. A friend who, by the way, has never called me. We've never even talked on the phone. We're not traditionally that kind of friend. Um... But she, I had, I had given her a heads up that the business was closing. I, I, I tried to give all of my friends a heads up um, before I announced publicly. And um, so she was thinking about me. So she called me. And we had such a beautiful conversation. So I'm just realizing that staring at a screen, even if it's text messages or on Instagram, feels like a to-do. And hearing a voice feels like company. And that's not to say that I don't also love books. I read my Kindle every single day. Um, and I, I read, you know, physical books, but that's not, that's, that's a different thing because it's slow. I I'm sitting down intentionally to look at that book. I know. And again, I'm not getting sucked into the vortex. Well, sometimes I am getting sucked into the vortex actually. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just couldn't put that novel down. Like I stayed up too late. Um, you're reading it, but I never regret it. I'm always like, I stayed up too late reading that book because it's so good. When I'm like, I stayed up too late on Instagram. I'm always disappointed in myself. Like, so I'm just trying to pay attention to what are the mediums that really bless me the most. And I didn't, I didn't have that wisdom when I started a podcast. And now I'm, I'm realizing it as I'm leaving Instagram and just being so grateful that I've gotten this experience um, to contribute to the conversation in the way that that blesses me, that that I I am looking for other, you know, you're welcome podcasts out there because this is the kind of relationship that I like. And I didn't realize when I started that I was being brave by being a solo female host with a non-interview podcast. I heard one other podcast like this. It was Jen Gotch, the founder of Shop Bandeau. And she did a podcast like I had never heard before. And I loved it. It was just, there was an ease. It was, it was just, it just felt like hearing from a friend. And she would talk about mental health and there weren't guests on it. And I just, I was like, this is delightful. This, it was like no podcast that I'd ever heard. And to me, I just had never been interested in doing a podcast because personally, often interview podcasts feel very formulaic to me. Like if I don't know you, why do I really care about your origin story? What, who is this person that I'm listening to? Like, okay, you made a beauty product, but like, do I really need to hear like where you went to college and what your early stories were? I, I guess if I specifically wanted to get into the beauty product industry, 
then I'm interested in that exact play-by-play, but they're almost always on there to promote something. So often they're on there, you know, to promote a book or whatever. And so they're on everyone's podcast at the same time. So you just keep seeing their name everywhere. Um, and that's not to say that I never get value from them. Absolutely. Um, I, I, there are definitely podcasts like that that I enjoy, but I just at the time it felt like they were all kind of the same And I just didn't, I wasn't like, you know what I could add to the conversation? Being the 12th interview that person has done this week and asking them pretty much all the same questions. Like that just didn't feel like an appealing use of my time. But Jen felt like chatting with a friend. And I love that. And it was only when uh, Nora McInerney, the uh, host of Terrible Thanks for Asking, I heard her say on Instagram that, or you know what? Maybe she replied to me in a DM. This was years ago, but she said somewhere or to me that it's like, it's so brave being a solo female host. She was like, I love it. I love it's so brave being a female host. I solo female host. I love seeing it. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize I was doing something brave. And then Kate Kennedy, um, she was doing, I don't know what she was doing but anyways I was on some live stream of hers and she was reflecting on her podcast and she said that her data meaning her highest episodes were had showed that you don't need a co-host that whenever she brought someone else on those were not her highest episodes her highest episodes were always when it was just her and that was kind of her little takeaway of this was like encouraging other women with the confidence you are enough you don't need a co-host I have the data to show that I am enough. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to chat with other people sometimes, but that's not the the primary thing that people are here for. And I didn't realize until she said that, that I hadn't felt the need for one, that it hadn't occurred to me in starting out. Well, I mean, I'd like to do one that's just chatty, but I'd need a co-host, right? Because I had just seen this one person. I mean, the takeaway is these are stories we make up. We make up that it would be brave to do this or that you need a co-host because that's what you are seeing. And it's sort of the representation matters thing. Like all it took was one person, Jen, and I just could feel in my body and my nervous system that I liked the way this felt. And it felt like the kind of podcast I wanted to be ho- to host that would feel authentic to me. And because no one told me that she was being brave and because she wasn't like, I'm being really brave and doing this, guys. Or like, I know I'm going against the grain, not having a co-host. Or like, I'm going to do something really out there and not do interviews. She didn't even mention it. She was just living her life. And I just saw one person and was like, you know what? I relate with that. I think, I think that feels like my vibe too. It felt authentic. And so I did it. And I started in 2019 and... Man, do I feel like in the pandemic, the podcast and stories really got us through. Like in some ways, I think it's maybe still feels too soon for us to reflect. Maybe it's going to have to be, you know, when when we get to the generation that hasn't been through it, whether for you that's kids or grandkids or whatever, and you're trying to go back and explain it, you know, like one day. I mean, me an old lady that my grandkid is interviewing me for a school project, trying to understand what it was like to have lived through the coronavirus pandemic. And 
so much of my experience is about you. Like, you know, if we weren't friends during that time, my husband and I were in Mexico when everything broke out. New York City was the first epicenter in America. In Italy, there were all these horrific stories of a ventilator shortage. And so the old people were being sacrificed to give the ventilators to the younger people. And Jeremy and I just felt like we we can't go back. What, what if we went back and got sick? Like, since we're already out, what if we went back and got sick and we took a ventilator and somebody died because of us? Like, that's where our head was at that point. Like, and so we just, but but the border was closing and we had to make a choice we only had warm clothes in our suitcase. So we just looked where and nonstop flights because you were terrified to be around anyone. And we took a nonstop flight to Phoenix. And for three months, we lived in two different Airbnbs, just in the suburbs by ourselves. And I would just walk this sad neighborhood. And I apologize if you live in Phoenix. I hope that you love it there. But to me at the time, this was not a neighborhood I would ever have chosen. This was not a home I would ever have chosen. Like, it just... I'm not a desert person, you know, um, if you're in the gar, um, what makes women feel beautiful, you know, I'm a garden person. I'm a, I like greenery and color. And I just felt like I would walk around this like sad neighborhood and I just, I would just open up my phone and I would just talk about how I was feeling and how I, I was, I couldn't stop scrolling the news, how I just couldn't stop refreshing Amanda Klutz's Instagram profile to see if there'd been an update on Nick how I just like, and, and you were replying like, same, me too, me too. And it just made us all feel so much less alone. And Jeremy and I hosted like a pool party because we had this a house with a pool that had a preposterous amount of floats. And we decided to blow them all up because we had no, nothing else better to do with our time. So we had like 15 giant floats, flamingos and, you know, rainbow clouds in this pool and we just poured cocktails and we're like let's go on live and we'll just like hang out with people hanging out in our pool I mean that's not interesting content but we had nothing else to you and I we had nothing else to do we would work out together I co-hosted like a workout session with a friend who was a trainer at Obey um I'm I'm not someone who co-hosts workout sessions but it's just we were just hanging out we were doing I filmed funny reels at the time that just you know you found entertaining and I found entertaining from other people and I had my little travel mic and I would just go into the guest bedroom and set it up on a stack of books and just talk and process what we were going through and I'm so grateful that I have that time capsule like I just am thinking about that right now to save those audio files somewhere for my kid someday to, to go back and listen and be like, this is, this is what it was like. I don't even remember what we were talking about on those podcast episodes, but you know, I've said that it is felt in the, the last, and it's not really the last year because I did that big story about, um, the, my book publishing nightmare, um, in the summer. And there obviously was a response around that, but it kind of felt like unless there was like a big breaking news thing, it has just felt a lot more quiet. And yet on the other hand, that's not entirely fair because I will get DMs where I think it's just how different that energy feels. The private DM versus the public comment or the public 
um, review just has 10 times the energy of the private note, right? Because your one comment or review is seen by, by hundreds, is liked by dozens of others. Like it just amplifies the energy. But I would hear from you via DMs telling me, you just found the podcast. You've been totally binging it over the last month. Like you're on episode this and you just had to reach out and say, like you just got to the episode about do we want to have kids or not? And you're you're so grateful that you found that because it's where you're at or that you've re-listened again. You're like, I started all over the podcast. I'm now back up to this episode and this one is hitting me in a different way than it did before. Um, you have favorite episodes that you revisit. You're like, I just want to tell you, I listen to X episode like once a month. I just keep, you know, going back to it. Um, but for the person who's someone asked, like, why do you have to, close the podcast. I mean, I don't have to, but it like no one's forcing me to. There's not some um legal reason that I can't continue, but it's it's a, a half day of work minimum putting up an episode. And that's if it's an episode like this where like I'm just chatting. Like I've done episodes where I they've been three part series. They've been based off of book research. They've been, I mean that's just the this is the kind of person that I am. I've done ones that were that were more scripted because I just wanted to be so sensitive. Like it's a half day of work just for me to do a chatty episode like this. Plus, I've got staffing costs. Someone's one's editing this, uploading it. I'm writing the email. They're queuing the email. We've got to pay for the platform that sends the email that hosts the podcast. And I've never taken ad money from the podcast. And if I did, that is hours more every single week to go find advertisers, pitch advertisers, go over contracts, get approvals of what we're saying, manage the ads calendar. Like that's a whole other thing. And now I would need to be paying for childcare on top of doing all of that. Um, I, I I would need silence to to write, silence to record Without a team, I would need silence to be able to listen and go back and edit. Um, and I would, in no way was I thinking of stopping the podcast if Dean Street was continuing. And it it never occurred to me that Dean Street wasn't continuing. So I was not even thinking about it. But hearing your feedback and grieving about the show the last handful of days, I, I just realized, like, wow, I didn't realize how many people cared this much. How many people valued this and found meaning in this. And I guess the feedback loop just hasn't been in line with my experience on the other end. And, you know, that is, I have certainly felt valued and appreciated over the years. That is, this is not to... This is not to say anything negative or to sound ungrateful or anything like that, but I just don't know quite how to process the volume of your responses in the the comments under that reel and that just because they're so, your messages are so deep and meaningful and specific. There's so many uses of the word only. You're the only influencer who's ever influenced me. You're the only podcast I listen to religiously. You're the only course I've ever bought. You're one of the only people I actively seek out on Instagram 
and I notice if you're not there that day. You're the only, quote, big person who's ever replied to me in DMs multiple times back and forth. You're the only person who has ever sent me a voice message reply in DMs. My mind is still blown that that's the level of relationship that you've had with this community. So, I mean, it's just been a real arc, friend, (laughs) to go from 18 months ago, an editor saying that someone had to ghostwrite for me. That's how lacking in value my words were that I, I, I can't write. I don't have ideas. There's not wisdom here. There's not articulation here. Like you just need to ha- pretend that you were this person and pay somebody else to be that person for you. Like, you know, like singing in the rain when, um, Lena has the horrible voice. She's like, I can't stand him. And, but there's no sound. And so it's fine. She, that she gets to just hide behind her beautiful glamour. But then once she has to talk, you're like, oh, the, I, I didn't like the the voice does not match. These are, are not the same thing. I, I had the belief that she was this graceful, elegant woman. And actually she's like kind of just from the version of like New Jersey. And like, you're like, Oh gosh, it's not what I was expecting. Being told you, you look like Alina, but we don't like the way you sound. So just have someone speak for you for the rest of your life. And then you can be an author. Like to go from that messaging 18 months ago to the arc of so many people saying, hundreds of people saying, over 800 comments saying, like, your words have mattered more to me than almost anyone else I follow. Like those two experiences are so incongruous. Like, how is that a thing? Now, I didn't believe her, which is why I I instantly, that that book died in a moment, just, just like Dean Street. They were both, it was one thing at, you know, not nine, nine o'clock. And it was another thing at nine Oh three, you know, like whatever time that email came in, the other, whatever time that meeting was, whatever. Um, I didn't believe her at the time, which is why it died so swiftly. I was like, you're wrong. Like that's your, you, I shouldn't say you're wrong. That's your opinion. But that's not everyone's opinion. I wouldn't have gotten here if that was true. But no one's going to be for everyone. As I've said before, my mom doesn't like Oprah. And I, I mean, isn't it, doesn't everyone like Oprah and Tom Hanks? But I don't know. Laurie Rushford's not a particular fan. So yeah, not everybody loves everyone. Like I, I didn't get in. I don't really get Robert Patter, Pattinson. I don't even know how to say his name. Patterson? Pattinson, maybe I'm a little too old because I wasn't really into the Twilight thing. Like, I don't really get it. But I understand that for so many people, he is like the heartthrob. So not everyone likes everything. It's art. It's not that I took it to heart and have been believing that for the 18 months by any chance or by any means. But um, it still stung. And it still is a very real trauma that I experienced because it then led to the death of my book. So it wasn't just like one hater I could brush off. It was the one person who killed what at that point was my life's work callously in one email. 
and for reasons if you go back and listen to the story like it it, it was callous <laughs> it wasn't just like I'm so sorry but you know I just have to be honest like it was definitely callous and 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 traumatizing and so to go from that and of course I knew that my audience didn't feel that way and my students didn't feel that way and that's why I'd gotten to this point like again it's not that I was feeling sorry for myself this year it's not that I was feeling you know it's 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 more that it's so subtle I didn't realize that I kind of felt a little bit like I was talking to a vacuum unless I had tea to spill like the the book story or the fertility story um and I don't want to live my life having that many high highs and low lows. Like I'd like to just have a steady, lovely life. Um, and so in the in-between times, it did feel like, gosh, we're in such a culture where if you don't have the worst news or the best news, people are not really going to be commenting. They're not really going to be leaving reviews. They're not really going to be replying. And then to hear in this moment, actually... I think so much of that every day in the middle living real life woman to woman interaction is what was so meaningful. We just don't take the time to say it. And so it's ironic that as I close, I hear more people than ever saying they wish I would stay. And I want to be clear again, that has nothing to do with why I am closing. <laughs> I was not closing because I was not feeling um, like I was making a difference or that anyone cared. It had nothing to do with it. It was purely a factual business reality. Um, but in hearing that response, I'm like, you know what? Also, this isn't really what I was feeling. And maybe that says something about the mediums of the time Um, and you know, I don't know what comes next in, in January, but I know that it will be worlds different than what it has been for the last 12 years. I'm not, well, I mean, I I am right now for another eight days or whatever, but I will not be (laughs) the next time you hear from me in, well, I shouldn't say the next time you hear from me, I'm going to send you an email later today. But, um, when you hear from me in January, I will not be a CEO anymore. This, you know, Dean Street Society, LLC, this office, like it's all staying here in New York. I, I, I don't know if, if anyone else is really tracked on this in the story. It is wild that my Dean Street Society and New York City chapters are both closing within five days of each other. Completely unrelated. One is not causing the other. And that was not my idea. I didn't curate that to be like, you know, one would be a good time to close would be here. Like when I, when I tell you all the details and, and the story once I've had some space, like this is just when the timing fell. This was not my plan. This was God's. <laughs> And there is so much I want to tell you about what God has been doing in this time. And for you, that may be the universe, whatever your beliefs are. But for Jeremy and I, it has just been undeniable and wild the way God has orchestrated so much, 
so quickly our heads are spinning. (laughs) And it is such a chaotic script that we would never have written and I would never wish on anyone. But it has also had such perfect detail that it feels like only God could have written it. Like we could not have come up with the way certain things have fallen into place in the exact days certain things have happened. I mean, the whole part of us moving, I've really even barely said anything on that, but the day we realized Dean Street had to close, it changed everything. We've been planning for four years what the next chapter of our life was going to be. And in a day, everything disappeared. We'd already given our landlord 60 days notice. We have a baby that we just realized a few weeks ago was probably coming early. And we had not a single idea of where we could afford to live. I mean, that that story too, I just need more space before I can really share it because we're still in it. I mean, just yesterday I was on FaceTime with movers trying to book our move. We don't have our tickets yet. We're worried about getting Freddie a seat on the plane because we've never flown with an animal. And I guess they only give so many animal seats, but I felt like we had to book the movers first because what if the movers weren't available on the day? We still got to book the elevator in our building. If the elevator isn't available on that day, that might change everything. So we still don't have our flights. I mean, it's all just still so chaotic and up in the air. We have no flights. We have our pets. Heads are falling off. Um, But In September, I had a girlfriend move to London and we had a coffee before um, she left. And which again, conversation for another another time that I'd love to share. I said to her, like, what what do you wish? What do you wish someone had told you when you became a mom? Like, what do you wish you'd known? And what are you grateful you did know? Like, I was told this and it really helped, but nobody told me this and that would have helped. Um, Convo for another time because it was was so good. And she said, do you think there's any chance that you won't work after the baby? Because she said, I thought about that. She's got a fabulous, high-powered corporate career. And she was like, I I wondered that myself. Would I go back? And, um, and, And I do want to go back. And I said... I can't imagine not doing what I do because for me, so much of the meaning in the experience of motherhood will be in what I'm learning and passing it on, will be in the teaching and the sharing about motherhood, about parenthood, about life and balance and growth and rewiring. And I am a teacher since I was in junior high and like the first student to choreograph the school musical, I was a a teacher and I was breaking things down so that other people could feel more confident in this skill that I had cultivated in dance class that they hadn't cultivated and just peer to peer was like, hey, I want to give you more confidence in this. I want you to enjoy this. I want you to feel good about this. That's how who I've been my whole life. And so, so much of the meaning for me in motherhood, I have envisioned in getting to teach and, and share about it. And so, I mean, this just shows you it was, I was like, oh, there's no way that I'm not d- doing Dean Street Society while I have a kid. Like that's, that's going to be so much of the beauty of it. Um, so 
that's what I am still looking for what that space will be in January and beyond. Where and how can I teach? But I know it's not in this giant airplane (laughs) that I have been keeping afloat for 12 and a half years. It will be something smaller and lighter and easier, more nimble to navigate within the complete unknown of becoming a parent for the first time. Um, But I will be leaving Instagram. Again, I have so many thoughts on that um, that I want to share and talk through. And, you know, I say that specifically because so many in our community are fellow entrepreneurs. um, And it's it hasn't, it had never felt like an option to leave Instagram. And I want to acknowledge that. I want to, like, I think there's a privilege in being like, and then I'm going to leave Instagram and, and, and here's all the reasons why. And like, it's, it's bad. It's this, it's da, 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 da. And you're like, I mean, I would, yeah, I would love to be able to do that, but then how do I run my business or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I, I acknowledge that. I'm not saying that casually. I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm not saying that is in, you know, hair toss, I'm so evolved that I've just got to just go screen free. And you're like, which I run an online business. How am I supposed to go screen free? Like, don't get all holier than thou on me. So I understand the the complexity of that. I want to make space to talk about that in the new year. Um, I am leaving. I'm just going to say this. I, I am leaving a cult. And there is no leader of this cult. It's just an insanely insular community that I have been a part of for 12 and a half years that didn't even exist until a couple of years before I entered it. And what I'm referring to is the coaching and courses space. I don't, I don't mean Instagram. The whole, the whole world is on social media. I mean this world where there are people whose first names I could say, and you would know exactly who I was talking about. Very common first names like Bob and Betsy. Those are not real names, the real names, but I could say a very common first name where my, my mom would be like, who's Bob? But all of you on the podcast would be like, Bob Smith, obviously, like we knew within the context, everybody in this world knows who Bob is. You know, it's one thing if it's like Glennon or Brene, those are unique names. We can one name them, but you got to be in a certain context where you could say Liz and you're like, oh, oh, obviously Liz Gilbert. You know, if you were on a writer's podcast and you'd been having that conversation and you had mentioned Glennon and, and Brene, and then you said Liz, of course you, you would know you meant Liz Gilbert. You wouldn't have to specify which Liz it was. It's not like a Liz who was on the Mickey Mouse Club or something, right? So that's what I mean by, by a cult. There is a bubble of household names to us that are household names to no one else in America. And my friend Kristen posted on Instagram, I I saved it, I think, under the closing um, pin stories, that she met me years ago at a conference, and which is ridiculous because 
Kristen spent the night at our house, like within the year. Like we 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 just bed in my living room, hanging out, whatever. Like you know, drinking my coffee in the morning, and I had no idea that we had actually met before at a conference. And she said, "I totally forgot about it until recently. I didn't even think about it when I was there with you." But she said, "Actually, we met at this conference," and she said, "I was was walking past with a friend who went, oh my god, that's Hillary Rashford." And I was like, I've just been reflecting on like how weird that is. <laughs> Y'all, only people in the cult are like, oh my God, that's Hillary Rushford. Like normal people in the world don't know who I am, right? Like there is, you, you have to realize you're in a bubble that I'm a big deal within this bubble. <laughs> and the bubble is a small bubble compared to the rest of the world, but it's our whole world. When you are in this online entrepreneur space, even, <laughs> even the other day we were so, uh, we were trying to put up that closing page on Friday with the announcement and, you know, I'd had to let my team go and it was just a, a freelance web developer that we've worked with and my project manager and we were just running out of time. And I texted a girlfriend who is um, out of work right now and I was like, by any chance, are you free today to help me for a few hours? And, um, and like, can I hire you to work for a few hours? She was like, absolutely. I was like, can you just get, she basically put together the whole PDF that's in the entrepreneur bundle. I was like, could you just get into Canva? I have this Google doc. I need it moved over, whatever. So she's, she's, we bring her into our Slack and she's like, op, she's, she's stumped by the word opt-in. She's like, is it optional? Is it opt hyphen in? Like she didn't even know what the definition of the word was. So she wasn't sure if it was supposed to mean optional or option, O-P-T-I-O-N. And I was just dying because on Slack, my project manager and I, I, with her, I was like, um, I was like, in which I was in which just as Kristen and I are are leaving, we are reminded of the cult speak we have grown accustomed to. Like an opt-in, an email opt-in is not normal vernacular language for this friend who has had a very successful professional career for many years as a very intellectual adult. She doesn't know what an opt-in is. But Kristen and I use this word every single day, back and forth in Slack. Everyone in the cult knows what an opt-in is. And here my one of my best friends who follows me on Instagram, all the things, literally so doesn't recognize the word that she's not even sure what word it is supposed to be and therefore how you would spell it. So I promise if you are in the coaching and courses space, if you are in this online entrepreneurship space, I will talk more about that. Again, I will be back in January with how to do that. I need to figure that out. But there are things that need to be said that no one is saying. And I put in an email, which again, if you haven't gotten those, you can go to deansreadside.com slash closing. The link is in the description. At the bottom of that page, there is a button to opt in. <laughs> and on the thank you page, AKA the page, the confirmation page, where you land after you opt in, we are putting every email that has been sent so you can catch up. And in one of those, I explained why I feel that it is unethical not to say them, not to talk about this on the other side. And I want to be clear about that because I acknowledge I'm not talking about it right now because there's just 
too many things on, on my plate and I need to go book the elevator, right? And um, I didn't expect to do this whole long podcast today, but I'm realizing emotionally this is what we need. So I'm just, I'm adjusting and um, to, to, to what y'all's needs are. And I just, I need also genuinely need more distance from this. Um, I said to someone so that I know I am doing it um, reflectively, not reactively. And, um, and, and I've had time for it to settle. I've even had time for your questions to settle and you're not asking a question. I'm trying to answer it the next day. I really responsibly have sat with it before I'm giving you my answer. But a friend said to me the other day, I think you're the whistleblower of where this industry is at. And I said, a whistleblower to me has always felt like a takedown. And maybe that's just a media spin uh, that, that that's the, the most dramatic way that we can phrase it. Um, and I also think it can be, right? You can be coming from a place of bitterness and you're going to show it to someone that you're going to like expose the truth and whatever. Um, but that's just so antithetical to who I am. I have never been a takedown person. Um, and we talked about that in the book pod that I was like, I had to spend an extra $10,000 to with a lawyer to be legally allowed to speak, even though I had no desire to ever name names because it wasn't about those people. It was about the industry. It wasn't just my editors, my agents. This is just the way the industry is. Um, and also, I'm not leaving with any bitterness. I'm not peeved. I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed. I've loved this chapter of my life. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not aggrieved with anyone. I'm not judgmental of anyone. Like I've, I'm, I'm the success story. Like I was in the top 2%. Um, so I leave with, with, with gratitude and, um, and, and privilege. Um, but I also realize longer conversation. This is why it's hard when I don't script things out. I'm like, I leave with privilege. I also leave not with privilege because obviously if I was privileged, then my, I would be able to continue doing my business. But I'm just saying the most important thing, let's take that back, is just to say that um, I'm, not, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I have loved this chapter of my life and I know that not a lot of people in the world get to do work that's really meaningful and that really means something. And I know how lucky I am that I've gotten to do that. I just hope I get to keep doing that. But I've loved this so much that I would never denigrate what it is by trying to, you know, ish on, for anyone who has littles in the car, um, trying to ish on anyone on my way out the door. I mean, not only is that not my character, but it's just genuinely not my heart and my experience. But she and I talked about this, like, whistleblower idea, which I, I, don't, I don't know what everyone's relationship with that word is. It's not a word I particularly identify with. But I just realized that you can say things because people are being harmed and you need to speak out up 
or else you didn't do what you could do to be a good neighbor. And there doesn't need to be anyone to take down to help some people up or out to safety and to provide a different perspective that no one else is saying. And those people don't have to be wrong for not saying it. And you also can be right that it should be said. So I've, the last few days, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about that and having conversations with other colleagues about that. And I think I need to literally leave this physical space, like this beautiful office that I have loved for the last four years and be in a new house. <laughs> um, empty, probably, um, pretty much having spent weeks off of Instagram and tell you what I think I have to offer then as a reflection on this beautiful era that I have been a part of that has both light and shadows. And I don't know if that's right to say in this podcast or not because I don't want to throw too many loose threads out there. Um, I'm not trying to create anxiety. I'm not trying to create suspense. I am trying to honor that I acknowledge your fear and your questions. And also I can't help you as responsibly as I want to until I take a little bit more time. And I think in this marketing world that has been created, that feels like you're, you're, you're agitating the pain point and you're, you're dangling the solution. Um, but I feel like if you're here listening to this episode, you know, that's not my heart. And so I just want you to know that I hear you, that I acknowledge how scared I would be if I was you and how I would be waiting with bated breath to better understand. And so I want you to know I'm going to do that as soon as I can um, and that I'm not going to disappear until next June after a maternity leave. Um, that would just feel cruel to me when I put myself in your shoes and because I am an, am an empath, that is what I do all of the time. And that is why we work the way uh, that we work together. Um, and also, I don't want to put out too many loose threads in this podcast because I am trying to not give that FOMO or scarcity by keeping the core things to email and knowing that, you know, there's a mama out there with a sick kid who's scrambling to get all her Etsy orders done, you know, before the holidays, who doesn't have time to listen to this episode and um I don't want her to feel like this was really where the meat was and if it takes her three weeks to get to listen to this podcast episode um you know there was an anxiety loop I was closing for her that she could have gotten earlier um so I'm going to try to be clear about that on on Instagram um and email but I just keep repeating I want to answer all of your questions I'm too close to it right now and this experience of a closing alone, really the response to the reels, the comments in the garden party, which I have shared some of those in the pinned stories called closing. I'm just really listening and taking in what you're experiencing and what you're telling me this experience is. And what I mean by this experience, I'm like, 
I'm like gesticulating my hand back and forth, meaning like between you and I, this experience, you and I, what is this? Why is this meaningful? Why is this valuable? What are the parts of it that you want to keep the most? Please, if, if you can put more language to that, please keep leaving any other questions or thoughts under my Instagram posts. I truly am reading every single one. I'm not hearting them unless I'm replying to it so that I can see you know, as time goes by what I haven't replied to, but I am reading every single one. So I check it every day. I check the new comments. So any new comment that you leave from the announcement post on, I am checking those. Um, also still going back to the baby names one as well. Um, and then also replies under the pinned posts. So if you, if you had a comment and you went back and found your comment and added up a reply, I may not end up seeing that. So just leave a new one. Or if it's about, a, if it's relevant to a pinned comment, then add to that conversation and keep um, flushing that out. It does help me to see what the most repeating questions are. When one person asks something, it's one thing. When 10 people ask it, when 100 people have asked different versions of the same thing, it really helps me know, okay, this is a big thing that we need to cover. Um, but I think... I really still do value understanding from you what is it that has been, that is so valuable in the teaching, the relationship, the medium. You know, no one, none of this has existed for a previous generation. Like parasocial relationships, online entrepreneurship. We, we loved books in the 70s. But we never met or knew anything about that author. We just saw a book in our bookshop and we picked it up and we enjoyed it. That, that's all, all we had. We had people in our neighborhood that, that moved and we knew that they were moving and we went to their goodbye party. And they, you know, like we've had the experience of getting wisdom and teaching. We've had the experience of being in communities and having people leave. But this getting wisdom and sharing lives, even though we don't actually live next door to each other. And people rarely acknowledge that they're leaving. Um, they just kind of fade away and then you wonder about them or they just kind of go quiet and then they sort of come back with a new business and suddenly they're talking about something else. And they don't really acknowledge that they kind of just went dark on social media for the better part of a year. Like, So even just my saying this courses and coaching business is closing. This is a new emotional experience, whether you are in that world as a fellow course and coach and content creator, or just a lover of those worlds, or have thought about potentially working in that world. Um, we're just all processing. And I want to guide us through that with honor and respect and empathy. Empathy meaning I'm having that experience too. I, I too, I've never left before. I've never closed a business. When I left my last career in theater, I thought I was putting it on pause for a year. I told myself that for one year, I would not audition because I'd had the experience, I've shared the story before, because I'd had the experience that I tried to start a nonprofit years earlier and I made myself miserable because I was working a zillion jobs to pay the rent and pursuing my theater career and now pursuing this third career of a nonprofit that wasn't going to pay me any money. It was just meaningful to me. It was bringing arts education to 
uh, an orphanage in Nigeria that I had a personal connection with. It was called Create Providence. Um, and we did fundraisers and we had board members and we had our 501c3 status and like all of these things. And I just, it was killing me trying to do all three. So because I failed at the nonprofit, I then had that lived experience to go into starting a business and saying, I can't do all three. I can't do something to pay the rent and audition and start a business. So I was like, well, not paying the rent is not an option. So I'll put auditioning on hold for a year. And, and then I never went back, but I didn't realize I was walking away. And when I left the Rockettes, that the, the show ended, everybody left on the same day. And when I left the Broadway tour of 42nd street, I had watched many people before me leave and I left because I got the Rockettes. Like I, I knew the job that I was moving on to that I was more excited about that paid more money. That was a fresh adventure. And so I've never done this. I've never left something. I've never closed something. I, you know, in this big way in my life, I never had a super long-term relationship before Jeremy where it was like, you know, three years, seven years with someone. And then, you know, we had to move out and, and, and pull all of our lives apart. I mean, I dated people and we broke up, you know, but not this real cleaving. And I said the other day, every time I've moved, I've just been moving to another part of town for 20 years. I've never been leaving New York. So to, to move out of a house and go get on an airplane where it means like you're saying goodbye to the whole life here, and to close a business that's been my whole world for 12 and a half years to delete the Instagram app where I've been every single day for a decade. I've never done that before. So I'm going through my own transition and just so much change. I don't know anyone who's gone through more change in more verticals in a few months. But it has made me more aware of how many people in my life have been going through change in multiple verticals. I'm going through them in like six. I've got friends that have gone through going through them in like two or three all at the same time. Um, and family members, you know. Um, obviously, Aaron's life changed. If if you're or new friends, my brother-in-law was paralyzed from the neck down in March. Um, and we're going to see him later this month, and I'm so excited. Um, you know, obviously, Aaron's life changed um, in that in that vertical of being able to use his body. His life changed in um, not going to work every day, but instead rehabbing every day. His life changed that he now lives with his mom and his dad and his oldest sister. Like he was this, you know, independent single guy living in a, you know, two bedroom apartment. And, um, so in major ways, like his, his life has changed in those verticals. And I'm interested in, in talking more to people who've been through those changes and understanding what, who we become in those changes, what parts of us stay the same, what parts of us die, what parts of us do we rediscover, what parts are better, what parts are worse. So many of you in the comments have said, you went through a midlife career change, you walked away from your business after 10 years, 
it was better on the other side. Like I'm seeing those comments. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to talk to some of you in the new year. If you too are going through big changes in your life, maybe you're coming out of a divorce or maybe you just moved abroad or maybe you just moved home to care for your aging parents. Like I, I want to talk about that. And maybe you're thinking about the changes that you're trying to decide. Am I going to become a mom and say yes to that change? Am I going to make a, a career leap and say yes to that change? Am I going to move? I'm I'm wondering who I would be if I said yes to that change. Um, some changes we choose. Some changes just happen to us. Um, we chose parenthood, but we thought we were choosing it in a life that looked a certain way. And none of the other parts around it um, have been our choice. Um, there's so much more to talk about on that front, friend. So um, I want to keep doing that um, in some way in 2024. So what I will say for right now that is relevant is the pay the value sale, the Elegant Excellence Journal sold out so fast. I truly did not see that coming. I had messaged my finance guy on Thursday. He had asked me, do you think we're going to do it? He'd like asked me some numbers on it. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I, I literally told him a quarter um, of the time that I thought that was going to happen. It sold out in 36 hours. Um, you can go see pin stories for kind of my, my reaction, trying to process that and why I ended up feeling the way I did about it. But um, what makes women feel beautiful, healing burnout, all of my entrepreneur courses in a bundle. And we also just put up a thank you and baby gift. If you know, you have been blessed by the podcast and that there have not been ads here for four years, trying to get you to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on other things. And you want to give a thank you gift there that would bless our family so much in this season. If you are a student of any of those products or programs, thank you for speaking publicly or privately to anyone about the value of it, why it has blessed your life, how it has blessed your life so that they can get them in this time. If you haven't been a student, but you have valued my content in this uh, podcast, please know how much work and intention goes into those paid programs. I mean, inside the Entrepreneur Bundle, there is so much value and wisdom there that you are getting for a fraction of the cost. I said, if you paid 10% for all of that, it's, you know, $600. And where else are you being offered 90% off teaching from someone who statistically, this isn't just my thing, but statistically, as far as numbers and revenue and all of that has been in the top 2%. Like what is the value of that for you? And again, we will talk more in 2024 about what else I can share on that topic. There also is a note specifically for entrepreneurs on that page. When you open the PDF, um, read that. Um, I, you know, guys, I've gotten, it is shocking. I have gotten four negative comments on that reels. For the volume and reach that Reels has had, that is astounding. And two of them were like dudes that were like, like literally some dude was like, you're a grifter or something. I don't even know what, like I, I go, he's not following me. I'm like, he has seven photos on his page. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like restrictively, restrictively. 
but one person was like, like, this is so out of integrity that as a, as a coach, you would coach people and then blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you, you didn't go to the, you don't follow me. I'm going to your profile. You don't follow me. You didn't go to the page. You don't have to opt in to see the page. You didn't go to the page. You didn't click to explore at all. I've, I've addressed this. I've answered this for the people who are my people who are actually going over there. I've spoken to you're, you're not my people. You don't, you're not one of us. You're not speaking um, to this. And then there was <clears throat> the one girl um, who, uh, who was critical on the first night. I saved this to the pin stories. It's like one of my favorite parts of this whole thing was, I, don't, I honestly didn't even see what she said, but just so many of you guys were going back at her and so many of my like blue check friends, you know, were, um, were defending me to her. And I was just like, this girl gang energy is just the best. Like, obviously I don't condone being mean to someone, right? But she was being mean to me and you guys were just having my back. And I just like that, that's really like always going to be my favorite memory from that day. I seriously, I was laughing and crying and laughing and crying because it meant so much to me. And it also was just hilarious. And then of course, and by the way, I, I screen recorded it. Cause I, and Jeremy was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm screen recording this. Cause she's going to delete it. He's like, what do you mean? She's going to delete it. I was like, there's no way. She's fighting back right now because she's feeling all feisty. But I was like, in 10 minutes, she's going to have regretsy and realize she is outnumbered 500 to one. And she looks like a, an idiot. And she's going to delete this. Not only did she delete it, she blocked me. She blocked me. Why would you block me? I guess because she was so she was afraid Then I would post it to my stories and tag her name, which FYI, I've literally never done. Like, again, that's just not my MO. Um, I always block out people's names, even if I share the ridiculous things they say. But because um, I'm just not a takedown person. But she actually, like, blocked me. Anyways, I'm tangenting, friends. Um, the What makes women feel beautiful is my greatest passion. If there is one message I could leave with the world that I truly believe could change the world, it is all in there. If there is one teaching that I wish the world had before my child came into it and that we were all living by, it's in what makes women feel beautiful, male or female child. Um, healing burnout is my greatest gift from myself and from you because I only created it because I surveyed asking you your number one pain point and it was burnout. And then I realized I, that's what I had been working on myself all year, but I hadn't even thought to share it with you until you said, this is really what we need. And I realized, oh my gosh, it's exactly what I've been swimming in and living in. It is how I am still standing through this shocking season. And I didn't know I would need it when I created it. So if you are burned out, if you are in a hard season, that is my balm and my gift to you. If you are not, take it now, I beg of you, before your hard thing so that you too can stay standing. I created that in fall 2022. The book died in summer 2022. I have weathered the business dying just 18 months later so much more easily 
because I created that teaching after the book died. I, I didn't have it at that time. I was living it as much I could, healing burnout. But then when you guys said you needed it, I don't just turn around and give you my opinion. I go deep dive on the research. So you saying that you needed it gave me the permission to make it my full-time job to, to educate my, us even further on all of the research and all of the experts and all of the medical opinions and all of that, all of the neuroscience that goes into it. So I then healed so much deeper creating that. And I didn't know that God was doing that. Because a year later, that's how I would still be able to get out of bed. Because I had that. So please, friend, love your future self by taking this teaching, this wisdom now. Um, and then the thank you and the... The baby gift, you know, I, I, I'm not in DMs, but I am like DMing with my, you know, personal friends. So sometimes, or just when I'm on Instagram, if a DM comes, like it'll like pop up on the screen. So I just have been blessed to get to see a couple of those of you feeling like you acted quickly. You were in a rush. You kind of like panicked as though the courses were going to expire and you just like, like wanted to grab it or something, even though it was there for 15 days. Um, but I get it. There's a sense of just like shock and scarcity and whatever. And you feel like, especially now that you've started watching the product, you're like, I, I did not give enough for this. Like I, I feel uncomfortable that I undervalued this. Um, and I can't tell you how much that means to me. Um, when you get in there and you experience it and you realize like, oh my gosh, this is like so much money that went into just filming this. And oh my gosh, this is so deeply researched. And oh my gosh, she, she wrote every single word of this. Like I, I paid $25 for this. Like there's no, there's, there's no way this is like, and, um, so some of you have been going to, have been saying, I'm going to go, I, I, I made another donation in the thank you and baby gift. I don't know if you're going to see my name with, you know, the, with, with what I donated come through for that course, but I just wanted you to know, like it was worth more. And I could tell it as soon as I started watching and I just, I, I just in hindsight, didn't really take my time and really think through what truly could I give for this. And another angle on that, that someone, um, shared that was just so beautiful was, she said, I'm going to buy the product a second time. I'm going to give collectively what I feel like I should have. And I'm going to take that second login and I'm going to find someone to go through it together. I'm going to think over the coming weeks who in my life needs this that I can gift it to. And then we can go through together. And now we can have this vernacular, um, you know, to talk back and forth. So um, there is not going to be a neat and tidy end to this episode. Um, it's too much pressure to try to figure out what that is, but I will see you um, until the 15th on email and Instagram, and I will see you um, at some point back in January to see what comes next and how we can stay friends. But I have loved it here on the You're Welcome podcast, and I am so grateful that you have too. If you do want to leave a review here and never have, I will read them, even though I'm not trying to drive new traffic because there's no more episodes coming. 
it will still live here and be valuable and meaningful um, to me to see. Um, but I will post something in January when I'm back. So you don't have to unfollow yet. I will pop up here um, again. Uh, but email is the main place. So please make sure that you are on that email list because I don't want people to feel like they are missing out when I'm not, you know, I'm not on for much longer now and I'm not coming back on um, for a very long time, uh, you know, length of days, whenever I do. Um, but I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm just going to say, instead of thank you in advance, thank you for the past. And I meant it last week with those hopeful expectations for 2024 for you and I both. You matter to me. And it's the great honor of my life that I matter to you, that we matter to each other. And I am so grateful that you have felt welcome here on the East Coast. And if you want to stay friends with whoever Hillary becomes on the West Coast, I will see you after the jump and we'll figure out what's the next version of ourselves for us both. So to that, I will say thank you in advance and you're welcome in advance for whatever comes next. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is that since finding out that my business is closing, I have had more long phone calls and voice messages with girlfriends than I have in years combined. And I said to Jeremy, when I'm not trying to make so many Instagram friends, I have more real life friends. Like I was trying to do a post on Tuesday night. <laughs> like this is the kind of thing that I just... Like it wouldn't have been acceptable before and I'm just being like, whatevs, I'm, I'm leaving, it is what it is. But I sent an email on Tuesday and I referenced an Instagram post. And then once I sent the email, I went and sat down on my bed. I'm having these stomach issues. So I've got a heating pad on my stomach and I'm finishing editing the photos to go live on the post like with, within the hour of sending the email. Um, and a friend called and I just instantly answered it. I didn't, I didn't waffle and be like, ooh, I should maybe I should maybe silence this call and maybe um, finish this Instagram post first and you know try to call them back later. Talking to that friend mattered more, and I knew that they were calling because I, I had told them I was closing. We had texted about it. Like I knew that that's why they were checking in. And talking to that friend mattered more, as it should. But as an entrepreneur, that's a privilege you don't always have. Like that's a priority you don't always have the privilege to choose because Instagram is your work. And if you're not on there, you're not going to make the income you need for your family and all of the families you support as your employees and your freelancers. And if you say something is in email, in email that something's going to be there and then it's not, you confuse people and then they start to subconsciously feel like, well, maybe you're not that clear. So maybe your program isn't going to be that clear or I'm a little confused. Maybe I'm not going to buy. So it's not wrong that previously my instinct would have been, I've got to silence this call, text her and say, hey, I've just got to get an Instagram post up and then I can call you back. 
Or I would have had to cut the call short and say, I would love to chat so much. I'm so sorry. You know, 20 minutes in, I've got to get this Instagram post up because I sent this email. And I just was like, I mean, I'm going to post on stories, like apologizing that I didn't put up this Instagram, which seems weird. It seems like not like I think people are waiting with bated breath for this Instagram post, but I was confusing. I was unclear. I did say I was going to do something and then I didn't. So now I feel like I need to apologize for it. Then while we're on the topic of it, I was trying to get it up yesterday. Just day got away from me. I, oh, I was, I posted on Instagram last night that I didn't get the podcast up. I've never done that. And just been like, eh, it just didn't go up. I'm just going to apologize. Like, but I'm just being more in the present moment. I had longer conversations with other people yesterday, longer conversations processing your feedback, your questions, elements of closing the business led to longer conversations, you know, than expected. And I'm just like allowing myself to be really present in a way that I just acknowledge for entrepreneurs, we just often can't because we're not, we're not wrong that we've set dominoes in motion for our launch and consistency matters. And you want people to be able to trust your word because all of this happens in the cloud. All of this, no, you know, these aren't our real life physical neighbors where we know where they live to go knock on their door and be like, hey, uh, you never delivered that uh, baby onesie that I ordered uh, from you on Etsy. Like, we don't know where that person is. So there's a major trust element that's happening in the cloud. There's so much information happening. You want to clearly communicate. These things matter. And yet I find that I'm prioritizing being present for the conversations that arise, whether someone calls on the phone or whether my project manager and I get into a deep dialogue over, you know, some comments that you've left on Instagram. And I'm feeling less lonely. And that's giving me hope for the new year and what's next. And, you know, we will be in a new place, which like I said, you guys, it's like a whole other story to tell you at, uh, in, in the new year, the, it's the having to suddenly refigure out our plan of where we are moving and what our whole entire life looks like. I mean, I don't have a business anymore. I don't have a career anymore. Am I, I just, a, a gazillion things we've, the, the flights we've taken, the, Realtors, I mean, oh my gosh, the hours we spent on Zillow, it just, it is the second most intense, Jeremy and I had the second most intense week, I will tell you about this in the new year, that we have ever had as a couple. The first most intense week is the week that we spent um, as the primary caregivers for Aaron in the spring. We were rotating his family and we did week six after the accident. Um, and that was also in 2023, like our two most intense weeks as a couple were like seven months apart. And, you know, Spotify does that wrapped for the year. My tops, one of my top songs for the year, I don't know if my top, like my top five at least, um, is the Jonas Brothers Cool. And I discovered the Jonas Brothers. Um, I became a elder millennial late adopter in life um, when I asked you guys for music documentary recommendations because I love them. And um, 
they're like so good for me to zen out to. And you recommended the Jonas Brothers. I was never into the Jonas Brothers. I was an anti them. I just wasn't into them. I didn't really think I knew any of their songs. And um, totally got into the Jonas Brothers from the documentary. Thank you so much. And that's the same month that I started going to the sauna um, and making it my little like prayer closet closet. And I would listen to music that would, would make me think about a, a good future. And the Jonas Brothers song, Cool, is one of the ones I listen to on repeat the most. And there's a line that says, now that we've made it, how complicated was last year? And I would picture that it's 2024 and I'm dancing around the kitchen with our baby and I'm singing to them with a wooden spoon and I'm making them laugh. And um, I would picture where we were going to be in 2024. In February, already resonating with the lyric of how complicated 2023 was. Aaron's accident was in March. We shared the book trauma in May, shared the IVF journey and starting surrogacy in July. The business closed in December, and we obviously learned about it before then. I already thought 2023 felt complicated and none of those, some of the, the hugest, biggest things we will ever experience in our whole life hadn't even happened yet. And this is after the book stillbirth in 2022, which I thought was the lowest low. I had no idea what was still to come. So I think 2024 is going to be the year of more friends and richer connections. And that even however I find for you and I to stay friends, I just feel like it's going to be better. So much about my life right now was not my idea, was not my plan, and I had worked so stinking hard on my plan. But dang him... (laughs) God's plan is really seeming like it's better. And if that is true for me, since he is a loving God, despite what you may have seen represented by some people who claim to follow him, he is so loving, so generous, so kind, and has all of our backs. So if it gets better for me, then it's proof that it gets better for you. next Wednesday.